Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of So You Got a Scholarship. I am your host, Rutendo. In this episode, I interview my friend Farah Al-Haddad, a Syrian postgraduate student at the London School of Economics and Political Science, LSE. Farah has studied on a number of scholarships, including having attended the United World Colleges UWC in New Mexico at 18. We talk about the changing understanding of home, the performance of gratitude, survivor's guilt, imposter syndrome, among other topics. Hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so Farah, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Actually, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I know you're my friend and all, but like it's pretty exciting to do this. It's exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, can you tell me about when you got your first scholarship? Sure. Um, I was when I was eighteen. Uh, this was two thousand and eleven. Uh, I came across an event on Facebook as uh, as part of a local library um, or put up by a local library that I had followed. And then I thought, okay, let me see, let me see what this is about. It, I, I was drawn to the mission statement um, of that school and it's called the United World College. You might be familiar with it. Um, I mean, I just attended it, nothing big. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I read the description. I, I thought, okay, let me just fill out this, this random application. I was shocked to be shortlisted. And then when, then they took all the students who were shortlisted to a retreat kind of thing in Deir Mar Musa, which is an ancient monastery in Syria, uh, where I grew up, where I'm from. And then they just kind of conducted, um, they they conducted one structured interview and the rest, they had us, you know, play around, basically. They just observed our activities and then chose mm-hmm. accordingly. So I was one of three students in my year uh, who received a full scholarship to attend the UWC, and I was assigned to UWC New Mexico um, in the United States. And that was my first scholarship. But since then, I've had more, thankfully. So I went to McAllister College um, after those two years, those first two years of high school. Um, I, I went to McAllister College also on a scholarship, but there's a loan there. <laughs> Part of my <laughs> financial aid package was that, that I was able to work Mm-hmm. Um, as well as take out loans. And then finally, after that experience, four years of undergrad studying political science, 
um, I got yet another scholarship that you also might be familiar with. And that brought me, that has brought me to the, to the LSE, to the London School of Economics and Political Science. Uh, and currently I'm on that scholarship studying uh, women, peace and security. That's the, a master's program. Yeah. So at 18, mm-hmm. right, that's when you got your first scholarship. Yeah. Um, but prior to, this is something that I'm going to try and ask a lot of my guests, what was going through your mind as you were doing that application? What made you do that, like um, apply for that scholarship? That's a good point. Honestly, it was, I don't know how I found the motivation to do it because to be honest, part of me knew I would study abroad at some point. I just thought, you know, maybe when I grow up for my master's, I tried to find scholarships. Um, and with, 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 you know, stressing the word scholarship right that's how we say back home like you want to find a scholarship to leave because there's no other way you could leave right um so my intention wasn't necessarily to leave uh i just was again curious about the mission statement then i remembered that i had a friend at school that had gone on the same program and i thought okay let me let me follow up with this um and luckily i had my mom's support first and foremost who then you know, convinced my sister and father that it would be a good idea. And indeed, it was a brilliant idea for me to leave because it it just so happened that it was the same uh, year as the beginning of the revolution in Syria, which, as you know, quickly turned into the nightmare that is going on until this day. Uh, And, you know, in the past seven years, people have been trying to leave or many young people my age have been trying to find opportunities to leave. So the fact that I've been able to leave has been definitely a grace, you know, or a blessing. Of course, or I mean, with that comes, with the blessing comes a curse too, mm-hmm. uh, naturally. I mean, a lot of people tell me, oh, we're so glad you're here. Like, thank God you're here. And part of me is like, the biggest part of me says, of course, thank God I'm here. And then there's always that small side of me that wonders like, okay, what if I had stayed back? You know, what might have I given or what, perhaps I was able, I would have been able to give more to my home, to my people. Maybe not. Who knows? It's just that constant small question in my head, like, hmm, what would have, what would have happened if my life did, didn't turn upside down? You know. <clears throat> and so, just to pause for a moment there for those that are listening, um, United World Colleges. I'm going to put that in the show notes, and I will also put a link to their page so that you understand what she is talking about when she's talking about the mission statement, the United World College's mission statement, just to take out a few minutes um, from this episode. And so you really just got into what I wanted to talk to you about, um, which is leaving home and people seeing that as an opportunity, but you carrying certain questions about where you come from, Mm Um, and so over the years, as you have had these different scholarships in the view, as you have studied abroad, um, being from Syria, in case people have forgotten where you're from, um, how has your relationship with what you define as home changed? Mm. If at all, has it changed? Mm, Great question. Sorry. I think, uh, it certainly has changed and and the way I perceive community has been changing over the years and uh, being shaped by those who are around me. Uh, I never 
you know, I never imagined that I would be best friends and cry in front of people from uh, Brazil, people from New York, from Zimbabwe, from, you know, all over the world, like sharing really deep moments uh, and calling those people a family away from family. Uh, but surprisingly or interestingly enough, I'm still very much attached to the idea of home as Damascus, Syria. So in that case, I'm in that sense, I'm still quite attached. Um, yeah, super, super attached. And perhaps what's going on back home only heightens that feeling, right? Where you just want to hold on to something um, with every power you could, you know, trying to muster memories of uh, street names and the way streets looked like. Um, not simply as a way, not, not only as in the form of nostalgia, as in looking at looking back and thinking oh the good old days no because i'm very aware that some days weren't that good and syria has plenty of imperfections but it makes me even more determined to kind of hold on to it and hold it dearly um and try to give back quote unquote which i think the term to give back is something i've heard countless times from friends especially those on scholarships um, because we constantly feel as though we owe somebody something. Um, and I have two points on that <laughs> in terms of owing somebody something. One is that 100% yes, I owe my success or my successes, my humble successes so far have been purely a, a, a factor of, of people supporting me, my family, my friends, my mentors, my professors. It's a whole tribe that creates one person's success, right? Um, so in that sense, hell yeah, I owe people and I want to give back. Um, and part of how I'm, I'm giving back is by joining the Syrian National Committee, which selects students on scholarships to attend the very same high school that I did. Um, but then the, the flip side of owing someone something is that you walk through life with, with a lot of pressure. You're carrying the weight of the world almost, you know. Um, you're thinking of home, how you can give back to home, home as in Syria, as in people who are struggling through war and through displacement. You're thinking of family and how you can, you know, wondering if, if you can send money back, if you can, you know, get gifts, if you can be there to protect them and how you can make them proud. Um, you're thinking of where you are at, at school, um, typically at an institution that isn't made for you necessarily. So you're walking through through those walls of your hallways um, in a place that seems so foreign around people that seem so different because perhaps because of where they come from or how much money they might have and how much education they might have. And you're trying to navigate all of that at the same time because you, you know, I mean, personally, um, <sighs> The internet is very helpful because <laughs> it helps me through, it helps me label some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so one label that caught my attention is, is um, what is it called? Uh, um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, and please don't quote me on this, is when you think that you're only where you are due to external reasons slash you don't really deserve to be where you're at. And that's, that's, that self-doubt monster is something I've been struggling with for years now. You know, oh, they only selected me because I'm Syrian. Oh, they only selected me because of this, because of that. But if you think hard enough about it, 
that's not why you were chosen. Um, I mean, of course, lots of it is luck. And I'm not saying that I deserve this more than others, not at all. But I am here for a reason, you know. Um, it just takes a lot to grapple with that. Um, and then the other label that has helped me, like, process what I go through is um, survivor guilt or survivors, survival's guilt. Survivors. Survivor's guilt. Thank you. <laughs> survivor's guilt. Um, they gave me a scholarship even though I don't speak English. But that's <laughs> me, too, right. me too. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, survivor's guilt is very real when you come from a, a, a background of perhaps poverty, perhaps conflict, whatever it may be. In my case, you know, an ongoing war. Um, and thinking every day, like, do I deserve this? Like, what can I be doing better? What if all the money that has been invested in me had gone to teaching little kids or building an entire school? By now, the money that's been put into me, <laughs> into my education is probably like enough to build a village, right? Um, so yeah, those are some of the questions that... Uh, run through my mind that was a long answer i'm sorry no that is a very good answer actually <laughs> so um let's get into more practical side of this and this might be the, the the sad or really you know the difficulty um of you know getting the so-called scholarship mm. what what has been i guess can you tell me of an experience one that you're willing to share of course in which either survivor's guilt or imposter syndrome really got the hang of you, mm. right? But what I want to know after that is how did you deal with it? Mm. Um, how did you deal with it? Yeah, that's a good you know, question. Um, just, just in case there might be somebody out there who could be going through the same thing, who's wondering if they're going through the same thing, or just to really let other people know that might not, that might not necessarily be on scholarship you know, that some people might be going through these things because in academia, we're all surrounded by different people. Yeah. And sometimes we do not know the experiences. And so just, you know, a more, can, can you tell me of, of a time when any of these things were sort of a little bit too much? Yeah, yeah. Um, and how you dealt with them? Yeah, that's a great question. Mm, it, it, I think for those who are in, who share these feelings or who think like I do, which I think a lot of people do, um, I would encourage us all to think backwards. Like think of where you are today and then go back step by step and ask, how did I get there? How did I get there? How did I get there? To try and remember that you have worked hard and and again, not out of not from a place of self-entitlement, but from a place of come on, give yourself a little more credit and give the people around you a little bit more credit, right? I mean, I trust that the committee that selected me knew what they were doing when I was 18, you know? They saw something in me. They saw potential in me. Um, and for those who are studying perhaps in the US or the UK, any international students out there, look at the stats. It's extremely difficult to make it to an institution in the US or the UK. So it says something about you when you've made it out of, so many people, right? Um, that's another thing that helps. The, and the, the last and most important, I would say, is personally, I the way I define myself or view myself is largely contingent upon uh, the opinions of the people around me. So I, I often build an image of myself based off of that, right? So 
what that means is that in my four years of university, I was like, oh, am I going to make it? I don't know. But by the time I got to senior year, I had mentors who, who were amazing, who, you know, pulled me by the hand and held me through such difficult circumstances, whether at UWC, McAllister, or, or now at the LSE. And I'm forever grateful for those people because, I mean, small things and big things, right? I have my advisor and professor who's written all my recommendation letters, Wendy Weber, um, shout, shout out uh, to her. And again, oh, I can't even name everybody, but so she, for instance, she would meet, she would take me to, before class begins, I took a class um, on humanitarianism and before class started, she said, she took me to the side and said, hey, like, I'm gonna show some videos or images that might be difficult for you to watch. Um, Plus the content is quite heavy and some of it addresses Syria. So please feel free to step out if you need or, you know, do what you need to do. I, I respect it. So small things like that. And then another professor, um, for instance, uh, Professor Zainab, she got me a necklace as a graduation gift from Istanbul. She's Turkish American, right? Like all these small and big things, um, words of affirmation, all the way to the president of my, of my college, recognizing that you know, recognizing the leadership roles I've, I've taken on and um, all the extra work I did because I was feeling a level of guilt, right? I mean, okay, of course, because I was passionate about those things, but also, I mean, I took on maybe four or five extracurriculars on top of my schoolwork and I presented on Syria and I, you know, co-led uh, student organizations uh, to educate people. You know, it's, it, you take on a lot, uh, because you're in a position of privilege, right? Because you've been given the scholarship. Um, so in addition to encouraging students to reflect on the fact that they're awesome and bright, I'd also encourage them to be kind to themselves in ways that I haven't been perhaps. Um, to remind themselves that you don't have to take up four or five extracurriculars. Curriculars, I can't do the R's and L's today. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you can simply be there as a student. You can, I mean, try, right? You can try to be there as a student because once you're there on a scholarship, you're often fulfilling some sort of quota. Um, sadly, you're either filling the African quota or, you're either, or the Muslim women quota, Muslim woman quota, um, the refugee quota, whatever it may be. Uh, once you enter those institutions, know that there are burdens that are placed on you but you just, you don't have to take them on. Um, I had a blast taking them on. I, I wouldn't <laughs> do it any other way. Like I would do the same things I had, but you know, just, I mean, some people don't have that capacity um, and we need to respect those students who will say, you know what, like I'm Syrian, but I'm trying to write about black liberation. I'm not in the mood for talking about Syria today. <laughs> you know, right, things like right, that. Right, right. Yeah, like, yeah that you get to have to represent certain... So what quarter do you think you're filling? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Lord. Any? Oh. No? no I mean, I mean, Syria, conflict, refugee, right. woman, Arab, Muslim. Right. Um, and it's funny because, like, what are those categories, right? And how do I fit them and how do I not? And why do I fit them and not somebody else? Um, you know, like I'm white passing. Uh, I'm very, I look super white. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I don't wear the hijab, so you wouldn't be able to tell. Mm -hmm. 
my identity through the way I look like. And that carries an immense amount of privilege, man. Like, it's insane. I walk down the street and I'm not concerned about, you know, the violence mm-hmm. that, that other people are Absolutely. concerned about on a daily basis. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's... I, I, I carry that with me and I, to, I try to be reflexive, self-reflexive as much as I can. And, and man, I mean, I still don't know how I got out of this. I still don't know. And I'm so thankful. Um, so, yeah, Oof, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Just take over the show because you're answering all the questions before you even get to them, talking about quotas and, and, and all these privileges. <laughs> Um, but I, I do, I do, <laughs> I warned you. I do have a question in terms of um, scholarships as as opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And this is something that I'm going to ask a lot of people that will be on this podcast um, that are on scholarship because I also have people that are not on scholarships just addressing different issues in academia. But um, in terms of a, seeing a, a scholarship as an opportunity, um, one thing that I've been trying to to grapple with is that I guess that we that when 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 you get a scholarship, it's you you're like you said expected to be grateful. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing that you're leaving. It's seen as a way out of something into something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I wonder, a lot of these scholarships. You know, yes, you have to fill up a quota, but you also have to be a person with certain skills, mm. right? So does that mean that a person without those skills is less deserving of that quote-unquote opportunity? Mm. Is academia the only way then in which people that come from places, you know, different places, like either you come from or places that I come from or different places or people with different identities or from different parts of the globe, is that the only way then they can get to do something right mm-hmm. is that the only is that the only opportunity we, we're creating like i want to hear your thoughts on that i want to pick your brain on that yeah. um in terms of do you think that at the end of the day you know all scholarship kids quote unquote are the same you know mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you you all have to be this sort of person right because you have to fill up a quota yes but you have to be able to talk about the quota you're feeling mm-hmm. about so you have to be able to give a presentation on syria yeah right yeah when when it's required yeah um or you have to be able to to be the grateful scholarship a kid. superhuman basically super student <laughs> pretty much yeah. pretty much right and how do you how do you deal with that um i guess as an individual but also in terms of the people that you interact with i guess you know i don't know yeah that's that's sparking a lot of ideas in my head so Hmm. So on on your point of it's a way out of something into something. Mm-hmm. So I'll apply that to again the the what I'm doing right now as part of my volunteer task, right? So again, I'm volunteering with the Syrian National Committee for UWC United World College, and we're selecting uh, students, Syrian students all over the world to attend one of the UWC schools or UWCs, um, and. Indeed, for many of these students, a scholarship can literally be the difference between life and death. Simple as that. They can, or absolute poverty, no opportunities, and all the opportunities, or it opens up a bunch of doors. Um, 
but okay, let's talk realistically now, right? Because we have some of these students, most, most of these students are indeed succeeding in incredible ways. You see them flourish, you see them as leaders, you see them get high scores, learn a new language. It's amazing. And some of them have been out of school, right? Their education has been disrupted for years. They get back on board. It's incredible. Now, what about the students who struggle? What about the students who don't fit the ideal, typical, grateful refugee, for instance? Now, with those students, and I'm, I'm flagging these concerns uh, with many people, not to discourage donors from donating, not at all. We need to continue investing in scholarships, but to think about how we might support these people. As I mentioned, a lot of these academic institutions aren't made for everyone, right? It reminds me of that uh, character, like the cartoon where you have an elephant, giraffe, monkey, da, 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 and you're asking all of them to take the same test of climbing a tree. Climbing a tree, right? Yeah. It's, that's how our, our schools function all over the world. Um, so when it comes to that, I think scholarships are quite compelling because they challenge these institutions and they introduce students who don't belong, quote unquote, right? They don't belong to the, they don't, they're not your stereotypical mom and dad graduated from an Ivy League and thus I'm here. So perfect, right? But then we need to take a step further um, and then think of how we can allocate some of those resources we have towards supporting the student to survive and thrive, as we say. Um, and I think students are doing a great job at advocating for themselves and for one another. Uh, for instance, at McAllister, uh, a good friend of mine, Ayan, she created a page called Surviving and Thriving at McAllister, and it was a page for students of color to exchange uh, job opportunities. Um, and it was loosely defined, students of color, because right? for me, as someone who is white as hell, I was still in the page because, um, of, for instance, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the baggage I carry as a right. student with a precarious legal status and so on and so forth and financial situation. That page is still functional? Yeah. I will also put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's up and running. It's fantastic. I encourage other students to go ahead and, and follow it. And now alumni are posting opportunities there too. So organically, you find students uh, in, uh, you know, being allies to one another as well as professors, you know. And this includes white professors, by the way, um, who stand up and say, you can't just admit students on scholarships and then be like, okay, now you're going to learn a new language in some cases and excel and do this and that and that and that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good to look at the picture, the, the full picture, if that makes sense. Um, because some students do slip through the cracks um, and it might not be salvation for them to come here and it might exacerbate mental health problems uh, it separates you from your family. For me, like, I don't know when I'm ever going to live with my family again. And, you know, part of me will forever lament, you know, the years that I'm not going to see my niece and nephew grow up and the years that I don't get to be physically near my mom and sister and my dad, you know, um, in, in times where they, during times where they needed me and I needed them. Um, but that said, I can't help but return or, or but to think again and, and say this the scholarships I've received have turned my life upside down and I would say a hundred percent to towards the better. It's not the best, it's not ideal, but it's incredible. Um yeah, and I think hmm, 
Okay, the other thing <laughs> I will add, this is a bit of a shift or kind of shifting gears a little bit, but for students who are on scholarships or for students who struggle with things like uh, imposter syndrome, don't let other kids tell you that you're there because you're filling a quota, right? I've had someone tell me, oh, you're lucky you're Syrian because you get, you can get accepted anywhere. <laughs> Some people have said that to me multiple times on multiple occasions. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, bruh, would you like to be displaced and your home be effed up? Um, you could swear on this show, by the way. <laughs> Perfect. Because it's my show, you can swear because I swear. <laughs> it's only fair. God bless. I'm like, do you want, do you want your... Ah, these things amaze me. These comments amaze me because they also come from a place of you think of me as inferior. You know, you don't trust in me. You don't trust in my intellectual capabilities that I'm not just here because I'm Syrian, right? Because I competed against other Syrians, you know, like, ugh, I mean, right. Yeah. So for those of us who are, for those who are like us, like the two of us who have received scholarships, trust yourself. Don't let people look down on you. Um, haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. Potatoes gonna potate. <laughs> I don't know why I say that. That is the corniest thing, and probably the only thing I should be allowed to say. <laughs> but um, I have a few rapid fire questions. Yes. Just you know, first thing that you know comes to your to your head. Um, what is the greatest memory that you have ever since getting? The scholarship and it's pretty dramatic. I think dr- scholarship is a really dramatic term. I don't know if it's me, but <laughs> I really don't like saying that I've studied on scholarships because I think there's an ex. It's just we'll talk about maybe that's another episode, but yeah, let me just stop anyway. So, yeah, uh, what is the greatest memory that you have? Wow, um, okay, well, funniest f- memory. I don't know if it's funny, it's quite sad, Ugh. but oh. I'll say it anyway. Okay. It's the first that that has it's the first thing that crossed my mind yeah. actually holy crossed my mind which is the festival where you you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but i'll skip that okay. I'll, I'll go to the one where my friend organized a surprise goodbye party for me at McAllister. nahla from palestine shouts out um my love she and then i walked into the room and saw about three billion people um <laughs> and started sobbing for five hours because i just couldn't comprehend or the love was so overwhelming it was so overwhelming like just talking about it makes me want to cry uh so lame but um that moment you know when when i'm about to say goodbye to minnesota and McAllister, where i have people i can literally call family um including two host families um and and then just to think about yeah the beauty of the communities you build and the people you fall in love with, whether romantically or not. Um, that was one of my favorite memories. Of course, it was sad because I miss them every day now. But if, if, if I have gained nothing else, I've gained these people in my life, you know, and continue to gain them. So I think that's one more good memory. That is a pretty good memory. <laughs> yeah, it's so Mine cute. isn't really that cute. Um, but What's anyway. yours? Okay, this, okay, fine. This show isn't <laughs> about me, but... Um, my memory would be the f- the first time. Okay, so when, as Farah has mentioned, for those that don't know, I also attended United World Colleges, which will be in the show notes, and I attended UWC at sixteen. So I left Zimbabwe 
um, you know, for UWC. I was like a day or two late because Canada wasn't trying to give me my visa on time, but it came through. <laughs> my ancestors were like, listen, yeah. like she's got to be on that plane. So anyway, long story short. So I get to campus. Um, I don't even remember what lady picked me up from the airport. That part is a blur, but I get on campus. And for those that know United World Colleges, particularly Pearson in Canada, it's like a hippie place, all right? It's green. Our hostels look like cabins. So I drive up to the lawn and I open the door to get out. And all of a sudden, everyone starts running out of their hostels down the hill, East House um, Hill, just coming to hug me and it was so and they were all telling me their names okay i don't understand why they did this if any of them are listening i don't understand what they, but i'm hearing names from all over the world and and then i have my friends one of my really good friends from chile um they all kissing me and i i found that really weird because i hadn't grown up in a culture where you kiss someone on the first time you see them so i'm receiving kisses and hugs and listening to names and i'm just standing there like what have i signed up for um, but I look back and that is honestly my favorite thing in the world because there is no such thing, like not, not there's no such thing, but it was just for me, like, okay, this, this is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I link that to a scholarship is because literally that is why I was there. That is how I was able to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it's not academic related, but yeah. So no, that's my point. memory. And you said the word visa and that triggered a lot because visa. you don't get a visa. You, one does not simply obtain a visa, especially <laughs> now after the immigration ban, I can never return to what I call my second home. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, people from the global South don't get visas unless they have uh, an acceptance and the funds to you know, go to this institution. So that's a great point you mentioned. Yeah. Visas are triggering. Visas will actually have their own episode as well. Yes. Um, because they deserve their own episode. <laughs> Visa stories. Um, but, and okay, so the next rapid fire question, this is definitely not going as rapid fire as it's supposed to be. But anyway, <laughs> what is the greatest class you've ever taken? Oh, greatest class. Okay. Um, wow. Can it be two? Okay. Because I'm a nerd. Okay. One, one is critical asylum theory. Um, just because that's my obsession uh, with Professor Asla. And the other is uh, advanced international theory, which doesn't sound cool, but then it's when you look at it and then when you when you meet Professor Blaney, um, David Blaney, who's brilliant, you understand what I mean, because it's all post-colonial stuff. And I took it in my senior year and I was like, ah, that's the stuff I like. <laughs> it all clicked when I took that course. It was an aha moment because um, I was, again, in political science and a lot of this stuff was security based and I wasn't about the security life. Um, I was about the post-colonial life. Not about that life, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, those are pretty big classes, actually. Um, okay. What is your favorite outside? What, what what has been your favorite? This this is how you know I don't speak English, people. <laughs> Instead of saying extracurricular, I wrote outside class activity Ooh. what has been your favorite extracurricular activity? dance 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 yes yeah that i i was a dancer back home i i um ugh, i can't speak i did ballet for nine years before leaving uh to uwc and then unfortunately i couldn't continue with ballet but i branched out to other types of dancing so i, I mean i performed on stage every semester at McAllister, and that was a key 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 thing in my life still is yeah 
it's therapy. <laughs> All right. Um, and I would actually ask you this, but I know the answer a little bit. What are you reading currently? Do you like it and why? I'm, I'm reading a book called Homegoing, uh, gifted to me by my bestie, Becca, Rebecca Poromendosin. Mm-hmm. Um, she visited me here and then just got me this book. Uh, it's amazing. Oh, I'm already dying. Uh, I'm only a few pages in because I'm preparing for finals at the moment. But um, yeah, it's about two sisters and I'm reading about the one sister that was um, forcibly enslaved. So it's it's... It's a heavy book, but I would highly recommend. Okay. And the last question, what has been your the best resource that you've um, relied on throughout your experiences as an international student on scholarship? Mm. Mm. Well, one of them is the International Student Office at McAllister College. I should email them about my taxes. Mm. Um and then there's actually a very cool document. I can send it to you so you can add it in the show notes. Um, and it's about, uh, it's dedicated towards uh, POC, or uh, people, students of color and poor students who are about to attend grad school. Mm-hmm. And it's this giant guide that was developed collectively, like each person would add notes. And it's basically a bunch of life hacks, anywhere from um, how to budget, how to, um, you know, eat on a you know, afford eating, basically. Um, afford eating, yeah. Afford eating. Uh, you know, how to avoid purchasing textbooks. Uh, a bunch of stuff. Really, really cool The guides. important things. The important things. It's amazing because it even mentions, like, yes, you might be on a scholarship, but there's a bunch of hidden expenses that, you you know, will pop up out of nowhere. Um, and this guide, I read it thoroughly. And, yeah, definitely recommend Thank you so much. I'm actually going to add that to the show notes as well. A lot of the things in that guide are things that I will be covering or will have covered um, in this podcast as we go on. But thank you so much, Farah, for joining. Thank me you so much. And for doing this. It's quite in, it's quite weird interviewing my friend because it's like I kind of know your life. That's true. How do I ask you a question? That's true. But this was really fun. Yeah, this it was. was. Fun, thank right? you. Thank you so much. Hello, it's me again. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SIGSPOD, that's at S-Y-G-S-P-O-D, or, and actually, if possible, if you would like. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a comment, tell us what you think. You can also write to us with any questions you'd like addressed on the podcast with stories about your experiences in academia at sigspodcast at gmail.com. That's S-Y-G-S podcast at gmail.com or tweet to us or me at TEDx. That is T-E-D-O-E-X. Until next time, I'm signing out. Thank you very much. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.